0: Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Aren't you glad that He loves you this morning? Aren't you glad He loves you this morning? All right. If you have your Bibles, just turn in anywhere. It's all good. Just get in it. Just get in the book, and it'll change your life. Now, today we're going to be not reading from one text. We're going to be covering several areas. We're going to be covering a lot of groundwork as we close this portion of our series concerning perspective. We've been talking over the last five weeks, four weeks. Excuse me. About the very fact that when we look through things through a different lens, we begin to see things differently. Remember, as I shared with you in Second Kings, from the uh, prophet Elijah, uh, Elijah who went out in, in Dothan, he was being attacked by the Syrian um, president, the Syrian government, and all around them were were soldiers coming in to attack them. And the servant went out and he saw those things and. Elijah said, I pray that you would give him spiritual eyes, that you would open his spiritual eyes. How many of you know sometimes we need to look through spiritual eyes to see what's going on around us? And as he opened his eyes, he saw not only the Syrian army that had surrounded them to overtake them, but he saw a legion of angels also arrayed in a a battle attire, ready to overthrow, to overtake everything that the enemy was bringing about them. And Elijah told his servant, he said, you see us like this, those that be for us are better than those that be against us. Somebody needs to hear that today. The Bible says, says, greater is he that is in me, everybody do this, me, than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit of God that dwells and abides and lives in our heart is greater, more powerful, more effective, more impactful. Nothing in the world can overtake you because the Holy Spirit of God has a power, a dudamas, a dynamite in you that can help you to lay everything. The Bible says that your enemies will fall to your left and to your right. In fact, it goes on to say that I will make your enemies your footstool. And I'm going to tell you something. As we begin to look at life through that kind of perspective, through that type of lens, we begin to see things differently. Remember the first week we talked about missions. And missions is not something that you just do overseas. Missions from a different perspective is something that we do every single day of our life. In fact, that's why our mandate in in four Gospels and then again in Acts 1-8, we see that he's calling us to go and to preach the gospel. He says so in Matthew 28 and 19. He says that you're going to go and to baptize them. He says so in, 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 in uh, Mark 16 and 15 that we're to go and to preach to every creature. He says in Luke 24 and 47 that we're to go and to, to preach repentance unto all nations. He says so in John 21 and verse 20 that we're to preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth and then in Acts 1-8 the mandate above all mandates. Why? Because that was the very last words that Jesus spoke here on earth as he said when you shall receive power in Acts eight, you will be my witnesses speaking to not only the 120 that were gathered on that hill that day but to everyone who would read the timeless truth of God's word that you're to go into Jerusalem which is your home base it could be your school your workplace it could be your church How many of you know that there's a Jerusalem mission field in the four walls of your church? There are people in this room today, watch this, that do not know Jesus Christ, the free pardon of sin, the payment, the propitiation of your sins, and walking in the freedom and the peace of God that passes understanding. This could be your Jerusalem right here today. And then he says that you're to go into Judea, which is kind of spreading out, maybe surrounding counties, and all of Samaria, possibly the nation in which you live. And then he says this, then you're to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So perspective-wise, we need to realize that missions is something that we have to do. And let me just say this. I believe it's a privilege to do. When we share the gospel with a bankrupt soul and they come to know Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you something. if, If that doesn't blow your mind and change everything about what's going on in your life, then there is something wrong with your spiritual love language. The other day I had these three women come into my office going through a really detrimental time in their life and I had the privilege of leading two of those three women, one was already saved, to the Lord and just to see them cry out to God in this time of detriment and loss, it blessed my soul and to see, watch this, that there was four or five other situations starting that week that led all the way up to that point. Guys, we're all a part of this story, please don't miss this. Reaching people for Christ is not only what happens on Sunday morning at church. It happens out there, and you're the guys in the trenches. You're the ones that are bringing the gospel to people. Then we talked about we had our box. Remember, I had a box, and I drew the Lord on the front of it, a little illustration. And I took out things like bitterness and unforgiveness, and I began to pull all of these things out. And I said, you know, these are the things we carry. But what God has called us to do is to cast our cares upon Him. That if we take those things and put it in Christ, watch this, it's gone. He's absorbed it. He died for it. It's paid for. But here's what we do. We take it back out. And when you take it back out, you are saying to God, God, you can't handle it. I'm not going to let you handle it. I choose to take this back into my life. Let it be the monkey on my shoulders that it has become. It's going to weigh me down. But I'm choosing to do that. And I did that so that you guys would see that you have to cognitively, deliberately choose to take back the very thing that Jesus died on the cross for. Guys, he said it this way. Seven things he said on the cross. Not seven, but seven. Seven things he said on the cross, one of which was, It is finished. When he said that, it meant paid in full. Everything that you have ever thought of, done, didn't do, wish you'd have done, inclusive of all the worst, notorious of all people, from the beginning of time to the very last breath that's ever breathed on this earth, he died for that sin. He became that sin so that you and I may be made the righteousness of Christ. And guys, let me tell you something. If that's true, and then we change our perspective, then we should be walking free, which brought us to the next week, which was last week. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? Say it with me. He's a new creature. Say it again. He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Look to your neighbor and say, the old things are gone. Behold, he said, I make all things new. Remember I brought the pitcher of water and it had a muddy glass of water and You know how we just kind of pour a little clean water in. It's kind of like we we get saved. We come down the altar. We give our life to Jesus. And he pours that clean living water into our life. But he poured it right over the contamination. You know why? Because we never emptied ourselves out. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. It is not until you come to the end of yourself and empty yourself out that you can truly make room for who God wants you to be in your life. You know, we talked about that last week, about letting letting it go. And just leaving it in the past. Leaving it it where it belongs. This week, I want to close all of this out with what I believe to be the pinnacle point of our Christian life. Christian life because, see, if you read the scriptures, you find out in Acts that Christian is a word that's very flippantly used in our culture today. In fact, in 1990, there was a survey that was done. It wasn't a Christian survey. It wasn't a spiritual survey. It was more like a census and in that, 86% of the nearly 400 million people in the United States of America check the box that I am a Christian. I submit to you that that was an erroneous report. I don't believe that even be close in proximity to what really is a cross-section of our culture. Not only then, but even more so today. Several years later, they revamped it and worded some things and kind of added into some other language, and and Christian was still one of them. And of that, it was 75% of the nearly 400 million people in America who said, I am a Christian. But see, if you really understand the language of Christianity in the Greek uh, context, you realize that to be a Christian means that you are like Christ and to be like Christ of course in the book of Acts it was not something that the disciples who were called by God ordained by God to cast out demons to raise the sick to raise the dead to have the authority under the apostolic age to do things that are impossible to do but see that didn't make them a Christian what made them a Christian was when they walked in the town of Antioch and the Bible says that they were first called Christians at Antioch and you've heard me say this many many times it is not something hear me that they called themselves they didn't walk in and say hey we're like Jesus you know we come after him and we're like Christ we can raise the dead like Christ no 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 it was something that people called hit them because of their actions because of what they said because of what they did and when they walked in town what greater testament what greater testimony to their life but than having someone else on the outside perhaps non-christian to say hey those guys look like Jesus But yet we check a box as as if it's some spiritual affiliation that we have on a a census or some poll. Guys, that's not it. God, help us to not reduce Christianity to just an election of some proverbial uh, uh, affiliation of our spiritual walk. No, no, no. To be a Christian today means the same thing that it meant then. It meant that we would do things differently than we did before we were in Christ. You see, when a man marries a woman, things ought to look different in his life. And all the women said amen. I think I'd get y'all to smile somehow. When you get married, you you give yourself over to your spouse. In fact, the Bible says in three places that you're no longer two people, but you're now one flesh. It is a covenant, a three-way agreement between husband, wife, and a holy God who instituted the the marriage institution in Genesis chapter 2 when he looked out and he created all the wonder of the world and said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. Oh, but it's not good that man be alone. And he brought him a help me, a completer. Everything that he's not, she is. Amen, baby. Aren't you everything? I'm not going to go there today. We're not going to talk about our home life, okay? Got in trouble a few weeks ago talking about spiritual fellowship at home. But here's the thing the reality is that when you become a husband or a bride there is a difference in the way you walk. You have a ring on your finger that indicates that there's a covenant relationship and the authority of that is we share the same name. We share the same desires. Can I tell you something and you see in Luke 15. When you come to Christ you get a robe of righteousness. Aren't you glad of that? You become the righteousness of Christ through the finished work of cross. He puts sandals on your feet indicating that you're not walking as a barefoot pauper. Oh no 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 no. you're no longer poor you now have a father who owns the cattle of a thousand hills he owns it all and i have a part of that the bible says that i'm a joint heir with christ already seated in heavenly places and if you're a reader of the king james bible in john 14 verses 1 through 6 he said let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions see some translations say there's many rooms i don't know about you but i'm looking for a mansion how about you I don't want just some little place off the back 40 of heaven. No, no, no. I want the best that I can give to him to be laid at his feet and him to give me the best because everything he's got is the best. And to know that I'm walking as Christ walked. In fact, today I want to give you four perspectives. Four perspectives that I believe can change the way that you have to see yourself to be called a Christian. You see, the reality is, when we're a child of God, we have to ask ourselves this very difficult point of reference. Do we walk like Jesus walked? You see, because Jesus went through several communities, several towns. He never really went that far. If you look at his earthly ministry from age 30 to about 33 and a half when he was crucified. And that's really the focus that we look on in the gospel. We don't look too much to his childhood. There's some pinnacle points at 12 years of age and such as that. In in John's gospel, we see the first miracle. Uh, He turned the water to wine at the wedding of Canaan. But we really focus in on about three years of his life. But we hear language that when Jesus passed by, and every time we see that, we realize a couple of things. He was walking, and every time Jesus walked, he saw something. Can I tell you why he saw something? Because for me and you to walk like Jesus means that we have our eyes open, and we're looking for people who need a touch from heaven. Guys, we get too busy in our life that we walk This job, we walk this church, we walk this school, we walk the thing we call life, but we fail to open our spiritual eyes and see the needs of the people around us. Some of the greatest ministry you'll ever experience happens outside the church walls. Because that is your going mandate. Here is the equipping of the saints. I like the way, I don't know exactly what David was saying the other day. I can't quote it word for word. But this is not a perfect place. This is not perfect people. But just so happens we have a perfect message by a perfect God with a perfect hope and a perfect, perfect redemptive quality that can make me perfectly brand new. The old thing's gone. I am a new creature in Christ. And watch this. Because of that, I've got to go out and do something different with my life. Well, let me let me read this to you. John 9 and 1 says it this way. When Jesus passed by, watch this. He saw a boy who was blind from birth. Jesus always, always, always took notice of those people that he passed by. He saw that at the pool of Bethesda. We'll see that in a moment. He saw that when he walked by the woman at the well. In fact, if you, look at, if you really look at Jesus' life, there were so many things that he said. I'm hungry, but you never really see him taking time to sit down and eat a spread, Kyle. He says, I'm thirsty, but you don't see him drinking a lot of water. You see that as his, as he's walking, he's using those needs in his life to connect to people where they are in their life. I.e., look at the woman at the, at the well. When Jesus walked, not only did he notice people, but he didn't walk in judgment. He walked in grace, church. Quit stinking worrying about being a faith police and what everybody else is doing and let's clean up our own life. I I know that that doesn't become very popular, but here's the reality. If we're looking at what other people are doing wrong, We have this big beam. If you could see a telephone pole sticking out of your eye, and when you do that, you can't see the speck in that person's eye because you're looking through some other point of reference. Your perspective is flawed. You say, well, Mark, I I know we're not supposed to judge people. Well, actually, that's not a biblical mandate. You are supposed to judge. The Bible says to try the spirits. To see if it be of God. What you're not supposed to do is pass judgment on a person as to whether or not they're saved or whether or not they're going to go to heaven or hell. That's God's business. What we're to do is to look at their lifestyle and here's a, here's a big eye-opener for you. Rather than me telling you what's wrong with your life and what you've got to get right, I'm just going to get in on my knees and I'm going to pray for you. Pray for God to bring you to me. Pray for God to open that door. Guys, we spend a lot of time, and again, I use this loosely, but playing faith police on people, how they're raising their kids, how they're doing this, and then you hear the mamas and dads say, Yeah, my kids are just hanging out with the wrong kind of kids. No, your kid is probably the wrong kind of kid. That's why he's doing some of the things that he's doing. You need to get on your face before God and quit worrying about what everybody else's kid is doing. Bring your kid to a place of reckoning, pray with them, and say, Hey, it's okay to be pure. It's okay to be different. It's okay not to be popular. Because here's the reality if I read scripture, the Bible says to be a Christian, Means that he will turn brother against brother, father against son, mother against daughter. He said, You will suffer for my sake. Please don't tell your ch- child that if he comes to Christ and gets in the youth group that everything's going to be cool. No, he may hear him, she may have an ex on their back. But let me tell you what you do you pray with him and you have them raise up and hold their head high and be what God has called them to be. Why? Because they're going to walk like Jesus walked. But see, here's the cool thing about the encounter at the well. Jesus saw a woman who was basically had, had lived a life of whoredom. She would given herself to many, many people. What did he do? He, he told her he knew of her sin. But he offered her something greater than that. He offered her grace. He said, if you knew... If you knew the person that you asked to give drink, you would ask me to give you drink, and I would give you a drink that would be overflowing. It would be a water with no end. And she drank of that water that day. And if you read the dialogue in the Scripture, Jesus never took a drink. You see, because to love people means that you put them and their needs above your own. Husbands, can I tell you, one verse, one verse. I want you to tackle this with everything you got. Put it around your heart. Wear it around your neck. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Ephesians 5.25. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. You do that, your marriage will be phenomenal. Because you walk like Jesus walked. I love the encounter Jesus had with a woman caught in the very act of adultery. Which brings us not only to the walk as Jesus walked, but to the next one. We need to love as Jesus loved. You see, because to not walk in judgment, but rather walk in grace... To walk and to notice people and take notice of what's going on around you suggests that when something is thrown at your feet, here's what's going to happen. The reality is is the crowd may say, put him out, put him out. She's a prostitute. She's this, she's that. What are you going to do? The law says you do this. Let me tell you something. Jesus never refuted the law of Moses. They wanted him to do that in several occasions, and they knew that they would have him strapped. But here's what he did. Rather than trying to debate word or law or some other legalistic aspect, he just gets on his knees with her meets her where she is realizing she's caught in adultery according to the law is do a stoning she should be killed in the very streets she was caught in but he reckons that with looking at the people standing around and he says hey you guys are right that's what Moses said so here's what we're going to do pick up in fact the Bible says they were already holding their stones you know what he told them hey if you don't have sin in your life start casting away Matter of fact, the one of you who has no sin in your life, step up and you be the first one to well away. I can just see those guys now. They're just man. They're raised back. They're ready to cast a stone because that's what the law required. And that the Bible says, from the oldest to the youngest, implying wisdom set in. Those men dropped their stones on the ground and walked away. You see, Jesus wasn't condoning her hat because in fact he went on to dialogue with her and he says, "Hey, where now are your accusers?" There are none, Lord. They're gone. Neither do I accuse you. But go and what? Sin no more. You see, to walk as Jesus walked brings us to point two. You will love as Jesus loved. Guys, we need love in the world. Not as a song. Not as some fly-by-night, fair-weather lover. We need to be professional lovers of men. We need to be professional lovers of people who, by our association and relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and the finished work of the cross, we've got to be challenged to love the unlovable. If you love somebody that can love you back, you've done nothing greater than the pagan, than the atheist, than the agnostic. You've done nothing great but to love somebody who curses you. Who, who, I mean, man, there's just some people, and you've seen them, and we've talked about this a lot. There's some people that just almost are unlovable. If you know somebody like that, just hold your hand up real quick. If they're sitting next to you, hold your other hand up. Oh, my gosh, you're in trouble, dude. He's like going... Let me read this to you. 1 John 4, 12, and then I'm going to read verses 13 and 20. No one has seen God at any time. In fact, the Bible tells us this, that if we see him, we can't live. That's why Moses wanted to see him on on the mountain when he called him and he gave him uh, the the, the mandate to go into Egypt to to preach to Pharaoh to let his people go. He said, let me see you. He said, you can't see me and live. See, because unholy man can't look upon a holy God and live. So here's what he says. Since no one has seen God at any time, if we love one another, watch this, God abides in us. That word abides in in the scripture of of the New Testament Koine Greek language means to dwell, means to live with, means to tabernacle. You're getting some wording there. The Holy Spirit lives in us only when, only when we love the way God loves. Watch what he says. He says, no one has seen God at any time. But if, there's a little selection there, if. If we love one another, God abides in us. Watch this. I love this. This blows me away. And His love is perfected in us. How many of you know God is perfect? But, but look at what it says. But if we love, His love is a, a perfected in us. It's made manifest in us. The world. Hear me, guys. The greatest thing that you and I can do sometime is not preach a sermon or have an event or even give something, but just simply to love the unlovable. And they see Christ in you because you're walking and loving as Christ walked in the way he loved. That is what's going to change the world. But hear me. But Mark, I don't really like her. Or I don't like him. Mark, are you really asking me to love that person? I'm asking you through a different lens cap of perspective. To ask God To give you the ability, one, to love Him the way He calls you to love Him. And then and only then can you love people the way He's called you to love them. Watch what it goes on to say. Verse uh, 13. By this, by what? By loving people... By this, we know that we abide or dwell or tabernacle in Him, and He is in us because He has given us the Spirit, and that's a capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. If someone says, watch this, guys, strong language here. If someone says, I love God and hates His brother, he or she is a liar. Not my words, but God's strong words. You and I are a liar. If we say we love God and we selected the Christian box on our application or census report and we think that settles it in heaven, yet we love God, quote-unquote, but we don't love people, the Bible says you are a liar. And what's what he goes on to say. And he says, for for he who does not love his brother whom he has, has seen, how can he love a God in whom he's never seen? Let me tell you something, guys. I believe one of the greatest litmus tests for the child of God is how they love people. Can I also tell you this? I believe it's one of the most difficult for us to accomplish. But when we walk as Jesus walked, and we love as Jesus loved, only then can we serve as Jesus served. You see, serving has been reduced to something you do at church or on Wednesday night or at Rush or at Families Feeding Families or at some other parachurch relational organization. You know, serving is keeping the nursery. Hey, God, I serve. Did you see that? Like as if God is absolutely blown away because you put your name on one line for the next three months. Not minimizing that, however, I don't want you all to quit doing that. please hear me say this respectfully that is not the service that he's talking about that's why I say don't volunteer for something you're not passionate about because you will quit you will burn out you will give up but when you do what God has called you to do what he's equipped you to do what he's imparted upon you passionately to do it doesn't matter what anyone says you can't quit See, a servant is not a volunteer. A servant is a servant operating under the auspices, the power, the love of the Holy Spirit imparted to another people. Listen, for people who are called to do the nursery, that is a calling. For people who are children's ministers, Deborah and Marty, every week, they don't even come out here. They're fed back there. Mark, don't they need to be fed out here sometime? I think they're being fed back there. By doing what God has called them to do. Youth ministry, uh, where's Pastor David? That is not something you do to get to the next point of associate and senior pastor. That is not true. Some of the greatest men in in my life were youth pastors who just had a heart for this generation. The world is doing a phenomenal job at reaching your kids. Doggone it. Support this guy. Pray for this guy who wants to do a better job than the world is doing to pull your kids out and put a heart for Jesus in them. But it's a calling. It's a calling. See, here's how Jesus did it. Jesus put on the heart of the lowest of low servants. His disciples gathered together on the night that He would go to the garden to be betrayed. Some of you have never heard this. You haven't been in church. But as Jesus in the house, and he's sitting in this place, and he knows that one of them there was going to betray him. Judas, and he knew that one there would actually deny him, and he told them the stories in their life. Peter's like, "God, I would never. I would. I, would, I will die for you." Knowing they would do it, however, he he pulls up a basin of water, having them walk through all the dirt and all the grime and all the nastiness. And he takes their nasty, stinky, Middle Eastern covered in soot feet and he puts it in his hand and he begins washing the feet of the disciples. The point of the lowest of low servants. And he begins to wash. And, and, and Peter says, whoa, 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 you're not going to do that to me. i have no part in that. I will wash your feet. I've seen what you can do. And do you know what Jesus says? If you don't have this part of me, you have no part of me. What was he saying? He was saying, before you can ever serve people, you got to see what it looks like to be a servant. Jesus says, I'm the Savior of the world. I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet I didn't step out of eternity into time to come down here that you may serve me. I came so that you may be served by me. You see what I'm saying? It's okay. Yes. Yes, sir. What's up, man? That's okay, Ronnie. It's okay. Hold on bro yeah man yeah man and, uh, rush help helping people and uh I, I've been down to the to the Burger King yeah look at y'all's office down there I, I just I sleep late i I just don't seem to make it right on time so uh I'm sorry to come sorry, here. It's all right. But, We're going to uh, pray for you today. Is there anything we can do for you? Well, it's been it's been really hot outside, and I don't have I don't have much, but uh, I have an extra pair of clothes, but I don't really have anything for my feet. It's really hot out there on the pavement. Not today, but Dakota, do y'all, do y'all have anything back there, man? I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. You have anything back there that we can? Look, man, we always keep some stuff here in case something like that that happens. Thank you, Dakota. Um, I mean, it's not much, bro, but I mean, how I got you some I got you some shoes for your feet, man. I, I see you're barefooted, and I know it's warm. It this probably gets a little chilly at night, don't it? Well, I, I don't seem to. I can't get a full night's rest. Cause I get so cold, man. You're yeah. in good luck, man. I got this uh, camping fleece. That uh, don't that feel good? That'd be good for you, Thank man. You. I got that. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure, bro. Got some saltine crackers, man, because everything goes good with saltines. Thank you. Yeah, and um. See, I got some bush beans. You know, that's a commercial with the dog. He maybe he'll tell you the recipe. I don't know. There's some more of those, and got some success rice. And you know, who knows? Maybe you'll be successful, man. Um. Dude, I listen. That's what we're about, bro. And I'm telling you, man, you came to the right place. And I'm I'm so glad that you came here today. And and uh, what's your name, man? You mean I can take that yeah, man. This is yours, bro. This is all yours, man. Let me pray with you, man. Absolutely, yeah. Lord, I just pray right now for my brother. I, I know, God, that this has got to be a difficult life. And, Lord, we just want to bless him today. That's what our church is about, is loving God and reaching people. And, God, we just pray you would bless his going out and his coming in. And, God, I just pray you would help him to find a church home. And, and God, just, just pray you would bless all those on the street today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, man, I appreciate you, brother. You, you want to take him, take him out, man? But Hey, be blessed, brother. I pray you stay warm tonight. Be full. That food's going to be off the charts, man. Put those shoes on yeah man How, you just, just take it thank you brother. God bless you, man. we love you. God bless you man. stay warm tonight. yeah, success rise. it's going to be awesome. <laughs> the Bible says in James, that faith without works is dead. that faith in Christ without a deed following it up is dead. You might notice anything? He might notice anything at all. Just shout it out. He might notice anything wrong with the story. The Bible says, what good will it do if you say you love your brother and he comes in and he doesn't have food and he doesn't have shelter and he doesn't have clothing and you come in and say, be blessed, go out and be warm and be filled and be, be full and you send him out with nothing. That is ridiculous. That is ludicrous, but that's what we do. We have all this stuff in our arsenal. we got everything that that guy needs, and he comes in the door. But 99% of y'all were more concerned about somebody that stinks or don't look like you or dress like you or maybe had a bad situation in his life. You're more concerned about what he's going to do in the house. And yet we have every single thing that he needs, and we say, Be blessed. You've come to the right place. Now go on about your way. See, the Bible says that when we have Christ in us, as the band comes, don't miss this, don't miss this. When we have Christ in us, then we are called to walk as Jesus walked. He never missed anybody. He saw people. He saw the needs. He saw the paralytic. He saw the boy by the the waterway. He saw the boy at at the gate called beautiful. He saw them and he met their needs. And when people were on the outside, can I tell you something? Hear me. People who are in sin look different than you do, but they are who you used to be. Yeah, they stink. Jesus died for that smell. Yeah, they're hooked on drugs. They're hooked on alcohol. And you know what? You and I may sit back in judgment and say, but if they would quit this, but if they would quit that, well, guess what? You haven't walked one ounce of distance in their shoes. You don't know what you would do. In fact, if I could be so bold, you and I are one short step, one decision from being right where they are. Don't think you can't lose your job. Don't think you can't lose your money. There are people in this room that had enough money that they were making enough money that they could pay cash for the church that we need right now. And yet they've seen a shifting of their lifestyle. I don't know why that happens, but I know this. Maybe God was just trying to turn their attention and their affection back on the person of Jesus. Young people, you're going to see them in your school. They're going to look different. They're going to talk different. They may have a different color. But God, help us. God, help us if you have what they need. Why don't you give it to them? You know, but what Peter and John, when they went to the gate, you see what he said. They said, give me some money. Give me some alms. He said, watch this. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it unto you. Rise up and walk. You see, maybe it's not food. Maybe it's spiritual something. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe they're in prison. Do you know that we have people in our church that go into the prisons and preach every single week? Do you know that? you know that there are people in your community that are homeless and that guy sitting right over there Ronnie Barrow and his some of the folks that work with him in his ministry they give of their own money their own pocket because we don't even have a budget for that yet and he never says anything we just go and do it because you know what because it's got to be done there's people that's needed a grass cut Oh, that ain't a big deal. Come on, are you serious, Mark, are you gonna put that on the same level as somebody's homeless? No, it ain't a big deal. If your grass is cut every single week, it's a big deal, though, when you can't even find your car. Then you're going to cut somebody's grass, and it's a big deal to them. You see, what Jesus did marvelously is he met people where they were. You see, Jesus went into a farming community and he spoke about sowing and reaping, church. He spoke their language. He went into a f- Fishing community spoke about casting their nets And being fishers of men why, why are we starting Somebody said why are you starting the hunting ministry Well it's an outdoor ministry I'm going to tell you why Because there are a lot of hunters in this community There are a lot of outdoorsmen in this community And by God if we can get them up to the church Because they come out to shoot a dove Or to learn how to skin a deer Or learn how to clean a fish Then that's what we're going to do And then we're going to give them the gospel Why do I need to go to men's prayer meeting? I don't don't really need to go over there. I don't want to be away from my wife. You better get away from your wife and get along with a holy God and other men that are broken, that are needy, that are just trying to chase God's heart because you will leave there changed. Women, you may have it all figured out. And I have some talented, talented women in this room. But you need to get plugged into the women's ministry and find out how we can serve other people in this community. Find out women who have just lost their husband. Get involved in the grief share. Walk as Jesus walks. not about doing a bunch of stuff. It's about looking at what you got in your box. Some of y'all just need to be a hug for somebody and just love them. Wrap around them like a blanket, man. Some of y'all need to be like sandals on the feet. You need to be the foundation for somebody who can't stand on their own two feet. I've been there. There was a time in my life guy where I had no one to turn to and a guy walked by my house one day, drove by my house and he sat on my back porch and he lifted my head and he prayed with me and he said, I want to help you stand up. I want to help you get back up. Some of y'all can do that. Here's another thing. Some of you just need to be the food for somebody. Some of you need to be the food. Why? You need to be spiritual nourishment. Don't worry about this. I want y'all to look at me. Stare a hole through me because here's what I believe. The world out there is dead and dying and they're cold and they're going to hell if they don't know Jesus you say Mark that's real theatrical if this is what I got to do to get you to see what's going on then so be it just get plugged in make a difference and here's the last one Ben a couple of you guys come pray with uh, Punk real quick hold on I'll come right back listen to me guys y'all look right here look right here some of you can't do what I just said because of one or two things, and I'm closing. Because you have bitterness in your heart and you're not forgiven somebody. Or you have not forgiven yourself. The altar's open. Man, why, why can't we be as bold as this? I don't care who's looking. I don't care what you think. Some of you will wait till I give a formal invitation. Others of you know that God has already spoken to your heart about something today. And you need to not worry about me or anybody else. And you need to be out here with your family praying. God, let me serve like Jesus served. Let me walk like Jesus walked. Let me let me love like Jesus loved. And let me forgive the way he forgave. How did he forgive me? He forgave me from all of my sins. I'm a new creature in Christ. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. I am brand new. I don't care what you did last week. I don't care what you did last year. I don't care how bad you failed. Today, right now, some of you will sit here and you will hold on to that pew with everything you got because you're worried about what somebody else is going to think carve your fingers off that chair stand up come down here with your spouse come down here by yourself and say I lay it at the feet of Jesus and get up new and leave that junk there every head bowed and every eye closed do you know him the altar's open don't wait for me do you know him do you know him as your Lord and Savior do you know him as the Redeemer of your soul do you know him as the helper the lifter of your head, do you know him that way? Are you saved? If you're not, I want you to pray with me right now from your heart to God. Say, dear God in heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner and I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, will you save me? Help me to live for you until the day that I die today I make you Lord of my life if you prayed that prayer today I'm just I want to pray for you that's all I'm not going to point you out but if you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart I want you to lift your hand up right now lift it up high say I pray God bless you and you and you and you and you looking around you God bless you I see five or six hands anybody on this side just hold it up a minute I need some of our counselors down front to be looking right now I want you to go to them and pray with them you saw the hands go to them and pray with them that's all I want you to do is there anybody else in the house it's holding on to bitterness. holding on to unforgiveness. It's holding on to some thing. Maybe you've been judgmental. Is that anybody in the house? Would you wave your hands up? Just lift it up high. Yeah, I got things that I'm holding on to. Hold them up. Hands are going up all over the room. You're not alone. You're not alone. Hold them up. Daddies, mamas, it's time we take a stand. School is starting for some tomorrow. School started this week for others. Dance studios are opening back up. Ball, travel balls coming around the corner. Football season is on us. Soccer, travel ball, work. Life's just going to hit you right in the middle of your face. I wonder what would happen if the church got excited about being a Christian, being like Jesus. And what would happen today if the folks in Northridge Church got up from where they were sitting and came to an altar and said, I want to be different. I want to be used. I wonder if when I count to three and you stand to your feet, that this place can empty up from the seats and come down and say, Jesus, I want what you want. I want what you want for me. I wonder what would happen if you would do that. tell you what would happen. The one thing we need in our culture, in our community, in our church, in our home, revival would break out. The doors of our church stand open. I'm going to stand right here. There's people on either side of me that will pray with you. If you just want to come shake my hand and turn around and walk away and say, Yeah, I want that newness. I want to be that servant. I want to walk like Jesus walked. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to put the mic down. I wonder where you come today and leave different than when you walked in. On the count of three, I want you to stand up and just follow God's leading.